Aliens Explored is a podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Project Blue Book was the code name for the systematic study of unidentified flying objects by the US Air Force between 1952 and 1969. Its remit was to determine whether UFOs represented a threat to national security and also to scientifically analyse UFO-related data. But was it really a serious study or was it simply a bureau set up to debunk UFO sightings and discredit anyone who claimed to have seen them? Join us on Aliens Explored as we examine the high questionable activities behind Project Blue Book. Welcome back listeners to another episode of Aliens Explored where we look at the skies above us, the hollow earth beneath us, all around us into different dimensions and all manners of strange goings on. I am one of your hosts, Stu Jackson. And I'm your other host, Neil Kelly. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing okay, thank you. How are you? Uh, yeah, not not. Not bad, not bad. A little bit dismayed uh, by the the stuff I've been reading in the paper about um, last night's and today's escapades, and you know, ashamed to be English again. Yeah, that's, I'm sure I'm not the first person who said it, but yeah, we had a, a football team have a football team that's really something to be proud of. That is uh, uh, an example to us all. Um, unfortunately, we can't say the same for our country. No, no. Um, I'm sure there, um, there are people listening now saying, yeah, it's a pair of bloody traitors hosting this show. I'm switching on. Well, <laughs> well, do you know what? If that's how people feel, that's they're entitled I, to that I'm, view. I'm sure um, we, we, have, uh, we have listeners across the political spectrum, some of whom. Possibly, possibly. Um, and, and all the welcome to listen, uh, but you do have to put it with our political opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to simple as that uh but no to to give uh, our listeners a bit of context so last night uh england played a football game well a soccer game for our us listeners it is football it's, oh. it's it, we know. call it football we know that american listeners have another game called football but uh, yeah. which they call which, football. which is not that's that's rugby in armor or hand egg i've heard it called hand egg <laughs> Um, but it's, it's also popular in. I mean, it's not very. There's not been much take up in England, but there are there are American football clubs. There are, but they they call there it are. American football rather than just football. Yes. So, uh, but yes, we had uh, it was some sort of like was it a European? It was, game it was or the it was the Euro 2020, I guess, uh, postponed from from last year. Right. And a big competition, and, was, and everyone got very excited because we had this England team who had got further in an international competition mm. than any team has done since England's England's World Cup victory in 1966, way back when you know you could buy a house for three grand. 
Yeah. And, and well, we, uh, we still had steam trains running on the railways, but way, <laughs> way back when, I'm, I'm old enough to remember it, and of course, every time, you cannot have an international football competition without, you, know, you, you can do a countdown, you can, you, can have, you can have bets on how long will it take, how many minutes before someone mentions 1966, you know, <laughs> they've never stopped going on about it ever since. Well, that's that's fair enough. But uh, last night was the final of this this championship um, when England played Italy, and um, and it apparently I, I didn't watch it myself. I was oh, I, I was did. Busy I watched doing... it. Yeah, England got an okay. early, England got an early goal in. People thought, yeah, great. This is yeah. this is going the way we like it. And then in the second half, Italy equalised, and then mm. nobody could get any traction beyond that. Italy. Um, for most of the second half seemed to be all over England and then they went into extra time which is another um, half an hour 15 minutes mm-hmm. each way um, and then of course there was no score there and then it went to penalties and they they have this thing where um, the penalties have to be taken by players who are on the pitch when the final whistle goes at the end of extra time so yeah. um, a lot of extra players were suddenly brought on literally within in the last minute in the in the last 60 mm. seconds um, including at least two of the three who missed their penalties. They were they were fed on. To, you know, they hadn't played the whole game. They were fed on in the last minute specifically to take a penalty um, because that's how it works. Well, um, I mean, so I mean, this is not a football podcast, no. <laughs> obviously, is it? Just to give our, our, our listeners a rough idea, because you know I've mentioned about being disappointed and being ashamed of being English. Mm. So, so I just want to explain why, really. Uh, so, England lost mm. uh, to Italy in this football game. Just a game, right? It is just a game. Uh, but now, you know, you hear on the news, you've got. People trashing places, breaking into places, uh, committing violent acts against anybody who they consider to be Italian, whether or not they actually are is another matter. Or just don't like uh, the look of. Yeah, and it's just absolutely... It's it's a fucking disgrace. It really, really is. Um, and it, and so, it's par for the course. You know, No wonder the whole world was, wanted, was rooting for Italy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 not a surprise. That's that's the biggest shame of it all. Um, I'm not a football fan at all, um, especially especially England games. Um, domestic violence goes up by twenty percent, twenty six percent every time England plays a game. Did you know that, mm. Neil? If they lose, it goes up by thirty eight percent. Domestic violence mm. occurrences, and that's just the reported ones. It's a uh, it's a uh, sombering time. Mm. Anyway, I don't mean to bring everyone down. That's not what we're here to discuss. And <laughs> we're already seven minutes into the podcast. Let's, let's set the context. This, this is the mood in which we're going to discuss. What is it we're <laughs> discussing this week, Stu? We are discussing Project Blue Book. So we've so neatly seeged away from the Euro twenty twenty yeah. to Project Project <laughs> yeah. Blue Book. Now, Project Blue Book was um, it was a project. Um, it, it was there, there were two sort of um, short-lived projects before Project Blue Book, weren't there? There, yeah. there, there was the Project Project Sign, Project Sign. And, and Project Grudge, which yes. both only lasted... Did they both only last about a year? Yeah, they lasted a year each, starting in 1947. Um, and then 1948 so, for Project Grudge. And then yeah. along came along Project Blue Book. Um, I mean... To be fair, we're, we're, I think it's easiest just when you talk about Project Blue Book to sort of 
merge those into Project Blue Book. Mm. I mean, some of the mythologies might have been slightly different, but you're basically talking about the same remit, the same people, yeah, uh, just under a slightly different name. So I, I personally think of Project Blue Book as starting in 1947. Okay. Uh, just under a different name. But, but officially, uh, Project Blue Book was the code name for the systematic study of unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force from March 1952 to its termination on December the 17th, 1969. Apparently, that even that isn't true, that it actually finished, um, I think, the 30th of January 1970, but the Air Force... I don't know, it's the military mindset. Um, they they didn't want this sort of seeping into another decade. So they said, well, let's let's say it ended in 1969, just so it, no one can say that it went on into the 70s, even if it was only and, January 1970. And do you know what? I'm, I'm going to be fair here. When, when a project like that wraps up, there's going to be an amount of time taken just to store everything and things like that. So I think mm. it's fair to say that the research itself stopped in 1969. Mm. Uh, the records stopped. They they just they were tidying up yes. <laughs> until until 1970. Uh, but you said about it starting in 1952, according to the Office of National Records, uh, or whatever the official term is, uh, it actually started in 1949. Right. So right Project after Blue Book. So Project Sign in 47, Project Grudge in 48, and, and Project Blue, Blue Book, Book in, in 49. 49. Yeah. Now Project Blue Book had two goals. Two, two objectives. Firstly, to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security, because that's mm-hmm. that's what the Air Force is for, to, well, to, to protect the US's um, airspace and to violate other people's airspace. And, uh, and also to scientifically analyse UFO-related data. Now, this is where the problems started. Um, well, just to just to interject there a little bit, um, those are the public, publicly given the, the stated of, objectives. Yes. Yes. Now, I personally think there was another one, which was an official debunking exercise. Um, well, um, a name that we've come across before, J. Allen Hynek, the astronomer, was involved in Project. He was a consultant. He was a yes. consultant, and. and um, and, and on Project Grudge, if yes, you want to separate and, them. <laughs> and he became, he became very, very disenchanted with, uh, with the way Project Blue Book was going and the kinds of people who were put in charge of it. Obviously, it wasn't the same commanding officer all the time. There were several, and, and they seemed to get worse and worse. Um, eventually, yes. it ended up with just a sergeant in charge. It, it got scaled right down. But there was no open-minded attitude towards it whatsoever. It was simply, right, how do we stop the public from talking about this? That was that was the true remit, because that was the mindset. That was the, um, the, the you know, that was the actual objective, was to shut people up. And to shut people up or discredit them as cranks, make people reluctant to, to report things. Yeah. Um, so their, their, their summary of their investigations was that no UFO reported, investigated and evaluated by the Air Force was ever an indication of a threat to our national security. Um, secondly, there was no evidence submitted to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorised as unidentified represented technological developments or principles beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. And thirdly, there was no 
evidence indicating that sightings categorised as unidentified were extraterrestrial vehicles. Okay, now I'm going to quote from Project Blue Book on that. Hmm. Um, they, this is all public information. This, this is what they have released, what they have declassified themselves. Hmm. I know I think there's far more to it personally, but in the public uh, arena, they have said there were 12,618 sightings reported to them. Hmm. Okay. There were 701 of those that remained unidentified. Now, it might be easy to say, oh, that's the vast majority that are explainable. Well, do you know what? Any ufologist worth their salt will agree and say, yes, most UFOs probably are easily explainable as terrestrial, as, as optical illusions, as drones, or as, mm. as you know misidentified technology, or, or something like that. But this professional navy you know u.s navy department could not identify 701 mm. of these reports now of the three aspects that you've just mentioned how do they know if there's 701 that they can't identify how do they know that they're not extraterrestrial how do they know that they're not advanced technology and how do they know they're not a threat to national mm. security if they cannot identify well, they, them? they've obviously shifted the burden of proof haven't they? they said, well, no, we don't yes. know what it is, but um, we're not going to say that it's extraterrestrial. There's yep. no proof that it is extraterrestrial. Ab Just absence of evidence is evidence of its non-existence. Well, mm. shame they don't do that about God, really, isn't it, in yeah. the American government? <laughs> I've nothing against religious people, but I mm. do believe in the separation of church and state well, very, very strongly. And, and the rot set in quite early in, in March 1954, um, a Captain Charles Hardin was appointed head of the Blue Book Project. And um, his predecessor, a, a chap called Captain Ruppelt, uh, wrote that Hardin, quote, thinks that anyone who is even interested in UFOs is crazy and they bore him. Yes, I'm, I'm glad he came into the project with such an open mind. Yeah, and in the following year, the Air Force decided that the goal of Blue Book should not be to investigate UFO reports, but to minimise the number of unidentified UFO reports. So by, by the, a, a year later than that, by 1956, the number of unidentified sightings had dropped from the 20 to 25% of the Ruppelt era, the first era, to less than 1%. They, they were basically just... It was a debunking exercise. Do you know? I'm, 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 I'm actually. I might surprise you with this. Mm. That aspect of it, not not the lack of an open mind, mm. but the setting out to to find explanations. I actually agree with to an extent, mm. and I think. Uh, I mean, I, I don't consider myself a UFO researcher per se mm. you know, my interest is in crop circles as we've discussed um but i do think a good ufo researcher will look for kind of mundane answers mundane solutions to things because yes if the vast majority of ufos out there are just something natural misidentified technology drones optical illusions whatever they might be then we need we need to kind of it's sorting the wheat from the chaff, Neil. Hmm. We need to get rid of all the easily explainable stuff, or even the difficult to explain 
but there is an explanation hmm. so that we can get to the core element of what about the rest because there is a an, another section hmm. of that and it might just be one percent of all reported ufos i i can believe that i can accept that uh, common everyday people you know joe public hmm. we're not trained to to identify a drone from a you know a ufo or 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 whatever so we are going to report things that are explainable as ufos that's going to happen that's fair enough mm. we just we and we need to identify where those are so on that particular aspect like i said this might surprise you but i actually agree with them on that one aspect yeah, they've got to, do, but they they seem to be determined to to debunk everything. I mean, Hynek suggested that some of the older UFO reports should be reevaluated, simply with the ostensible aim of moving them from the category of unknown to the category of um, identified. But uh, it, it came to nothing. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I I can. Hmm. I can feel Heineck's frustration through the well, uh, the years of history on there, that. There was, a, there was a great quote in, in what, what he what he described the um, what he described the, the Project Blue Book as the, the way he summed it up. Especially um, there was a well, there, there were there were two people. There was a, a major Quintanilla who took over in August 1963 um, and, and really saw it as a debunking effort. And um, and you know, UFO researcher Jerome Clark went wrote at that time that by that time Blue Book had lost all credibility. Um, he was um, physicist and UFO researcher Dr James E Macdonald once flatly declared that Quintanilla was not competent from either a scientific or an investigative perspective. Um, and he was, yeah, but he, he shouldn't be held accountable because he was simply following the orders that he had for directing Blue Book. I'm, I'm just coming, trying to find Hynek's quote about what, what he, he he summed up Blue Book as. Um, it was a. Well, <laughs> while, you're, while you're looking for that, I mean, that's a, a very interesting sort of observation is the people who were brought in not only to run Project Blue Book, but to to staff it, the people actually conducting the investigations themselves. What were their credentials for this sort of thing? The fact that they'd managed to, I don't know, lead troops into killing enough of the enemy in Vietnam? Or, um, um, hmm. No, this is... that's I've got my time frame totally screwed there, haven't I? Um, um, well, World War Two, certainly. <laughs> you know... It, is that what their credentials were? Why is someone like a general or a captain or, you know, even a sergeant, why, why are they the right person to conduct an investigation into something like this? Um, why is... Well, it's it's going to be the Air Force because, uh, first and foremost, the Project Blue Book was trying to assess whether there was any threat to to um, American, okay. American security, American airspace... And uh, that that still it still looked at from this that perspective today. We're we're seeing these things that are, that seem to be violating our airspace with impunity. Um, we just need to know that that's not it's not the Russians or the Chinese who have made some kind of technological leap and now have aircraft that we simply cannot match. 
America, I mean, Americans have had this this experience before. Um, in the Second World War, uh, the Nazis were the, the most technologically advanced, but they were just overwhelmed by by American and Soviet resources that they could they could throw at them. They were the first people to get jet planes in the air. They were the first people to get um, you know, in, into into combat, uh, drones, ballistic missiles. Um, the British. The British did develop jet planes during World War II, but they were so worried about the technology. Was it the Gloucester Meteor? Um, they were so worried about the technology fall, falling into enemy hands that they didn't let them fly over enemy territory. They were they were used purely for the defence of airspace around Britain. So if they're shot down, they're going to land in Britain. Um, I don't think any of them ever were shot down. But even you know, five years after the Second World War, Americans went to Korea and they still didn't have jet planes or they're still um uh, i mean i suppose they were developing them but they 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 went to korea without jet planes and their turbo turbo prop planes came up against the mig 15 a jet mm. plane and there was you know, and and yeah I, I wonder if that's just played into the american psyche that they're, they're just worried that the enemy will suddenly produce something that completely outflies them outguns them could well be, but I'm I'm going to go back to something you said a, a short while ago about, um, and, and quite rightly about you know that mm. the, the air force still investigates these things today, mm. because I'm going to come up with a quote from the National Archives. This is this is as of like the, their standing statement when it comes to the U.S. Navy and investigations of UFOs. Mm. It's a direct quote from the Archives website, the American Archives website. Since Project Blue Book was closed, nothing has happened to indicate that the Air Force ought to resume investigating UFOs. Because of the considerable cost to the Air Force in the past and the tight funding of Air Force needs today, there is no likelihood the Air Force will become involved with UFO investigation again. And it goes on to say that um, that there are a number of universities and professional scientific organisations that investigate UFOs and anything put to them goes to those, those bodies. Yeah. What absolute, absolute bullshit. We know from recent um, declaration, from recent statements, Lieutenant Ryan Graves, for example. Mm. We know that the Air Force is still investigating UFOs, so there they are caught with their pants down in a big, fat lie. Right there. Well, how, how can they not do it? I mean, if, if, a, if a, 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 an American pilot, an Air Force or Navy pilot encounters another aircraft encounters mm. another vehicle or what looks like another vehicle in american airspace and is unable to to keep tabs on it because it moves so fast or flies in a pattern that that he can't replicate or she can't replicate they have female pilots now um how can they not investigate that they're going to say well, yeah. what, what was that so, of course they've uh, got to investigate no. it uh, no, Lieutenant, we need to send that to a university. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, bollocks. Yeah, this could be this could be a, a, a new new generation of Chinese drones that that can do all sorts of things that that we yes. can't. Now, now um, Hynek, I mean, we we know from, we we discussed um, close encounters of the third kind. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a consultant Jay, on that. J. Allen Hynek was the person who first came up with the um, the different kinds of encounters. 
Um, yes. Uh, only three kinds at the time the f- movie was made, but I think there are about seven kinds now, aren't there? Including but they've expanded on it, seems, in- including yeah. breeding with extraterrestrials to produce human yes. alien hybrids. Now he started out um, as an associate member of the Robertson panel that we've mentioned before. That um, uh, yes. that was seriously dedicated to defunking, uh, debunking UFOs. But um, I like defunking. Defunking, yeah, defunking, <laughs> uh, debunking. Um, but they then defunct it but, right but off. But of course, he was a scientist, <laughs> and after after a, a being involved in it for a while, he thought, "Well, no, actually, these actually represent a, an unsolved mystery and deserve scientific scrutiny." Mm. And um, that was definitely not what Blue Book was about. And in fact. Um, he, he levelled accusations of indifference, incompetence, and of shoddy research on the part of Air Force personnel. Um, and Heineck noted that during its existence, critics dubbed Blue Book the Society for the Explanation of the Uninvestigated. Yep. Yeah. We're not going to look at it. We're just going to come up with a with a a put down. We're just going to call it, you know, label it in some way, and and then file it away. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, and interestingly, I'm going to put put a, a specific case to you that I believe was instrumental in the formation, well, initially of Project Sign, mm. um, because it, it came about just very, very quickly after the incident uh, in 1947, um, to do with UFOs, is, of course, the very famous Roswell incident. Mm which happened in 1947. Now, here's a bit of, I find, telling by its absence um, kind of information. There are no records whatsoever connected to the Roswell incident. It's not even mentioned in any records in Project Blue Book. Mm. Do you find that odd? Um, I wonder if it's it's a similar thing like the um, like the the COVID, um, the COVID uh, recovery bill, um, requirement that that uh, that all the agencies release their information about UFOs, and uh, they they immediately said, well, obviously, and uh, we only started collecting data in this in this record in this in this format, in in this formalized format. Um, in whenever it was, 2003 or whatever. So obviously we cannot refer to anything that was cited before then. So they've, they've, they've immediately limited the amount. So no one can say, well, what about Roswell? What about this? What about that? They say, well, no, we, we're just not. That's that's out the, outside the scope of our data set. Mm, that would be very convenient to ignore but that, that's historical the whole, that's data. Because, I mean, the Roswell yeah. crash... It really was. Was it a farmer just found some wreckage and called the Air Force? Uh, uh, wasn't it found the wreckage? It, it, the uh, it it happened on his farm, but it was it was witnessed happening. Mm. Uh, the crash itself, um, but yes, there was wreckage. There was bodies. Yeah, it was all reported in the paper with a with an official statement from the Air Force saying we have recovered. A crash spaceship, and we have its occupants. But didn't they later change their tune and say, "Well, actually, it was one of ours. It was an experimental craft." Uh, no, the I mean, yes, they changed their tune, but no, they claimed it was a weather balloon. Right. 
Because they have occupants, right? Yes. Yes. Anyway, let's say it's it's that time. I think we're going to be going for quite a quick summary here, uh, by the sounds of it. So, Project Blue Book was it a serious investigation by the American U.S. Navy into UFOs that you know took them seriously, or was it just an excuse for a cover up? What do you think, Neil? Or something else? Um, I don't don't want to railroad you. (laughs) I I think it was it was not so much a it wasn't the usual kind of cover up it's um it's almost like let's let's do something you know, usually something happens and they think oh shit we need to cover this up um it wasn't that kind of cover up it was let's do this thing so that um yeah we we can have this project going and we can we can rotate you know officers who are kind of I don't know, maybe regarded as dead wood, their careers are going nowhere. We'll mm-hmm. ship them into this into this dead end job, and basically we'll, we'll send them this information, all this vague information, and they'll file it away. Um, and then at, at the end of the project, we can simply say, "Oh yes, well we've investigated that, and um, it, we can confirm it was nothing extraterrestrial, and it was nothing that represented a threat." That mm-hmm. we've looked. I- at. It's just a way of being able to say, well, yeah, we've looked at this and it's not. Except for 701 records that they can't identify. <laughs> yeah, but the, the ones that, that are identified, they've just gone in as, as well. You know, we, we don't know, don't care. Yeah. But it's probably something. But no, but as, as, as we, we said earlier, they, they, they've shifted the onus of proof. They're saying that just because we can't explain what it is, um, that doesn't prove that it's extraterrestrial. Mm. Well, which is is a way of arguing. It's a, it's I, a way I, of reasoning. I, I, I don't disrespect that, um, but I think an open mind is is the crucial element. You know, I I see it very similar to you, to yourself, but but I suppose slightly different. I think that the government set it up with a view to saying, right, we need to. We, we need to prove that UFOs don't exist. We, you know, we mm. have this big big fuck up where we announce that UFOs are real with Roswell and now we need to announce that they're not real and mm. we need you know this program to do it I think they carefully selected who would be in it because they knew that they would go in with an attitude of well they're not real and let's find out I think one of the reasons why they changed people so often is they kept coming up with information that that challenged their ability to just say, no, nah, it's all bullshit. So they had to keep changing the people well, yes, involved. As Hynek said, you know, some some of the officers they put in charge were quite open-minded and actually looked at it properly. And yeah, they were, they were rotated out. No, we, we need someone you know, with more of a military mindset who's going to come and say, oh, it's all a load of old bollocks. <laughs> you know, that's... that's you know, I, I'm not. You, I'm not open to any suggestions about anything. I don't. I don't know. Are you saying, Mister X, military intelligence, that a military mindset is not an open-minded one? Um, it's quite. It's quite the opposite. <laughs> I can confirm it is. It is quite the opposite of an, an open mind. Um, there's a Ooh. phenomenon which um, all service people will be familiar with of, of being kicked upstairs. That basically, if you have, um, if you have an officer or an NCO who is a real pain in your ass, and you hate them and they're just annoying you all the time and you want to get rid of them, um, the easiest way to do that is to promote them. If you, mm. if you court-martial them or demote them, then 
the shit hits the fan and there's all sorts of inquiries and people want to know why and it all gets investigated but if you just say well you know this guy is a is a is a a, a lieutenant as we call them in england it's our it's our little affectation we mm-hmm. pronounce it lieutenant because mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't want to say well now they're saying, don't want to sound French. They don't want to sound French, or now they don't want to sound American by saying lieutenant. Mm. But obviously, it's lieu. It's it's in. You know, he's acting on a in. higher authority. He is in lieu of the colonel or whatever. Mm. So um, we want to get rid of this annoying lieutenant, lieutenant. So <laughs> the easiest way is to say, well, let's promote him to captain, and then he'll be sent somewhere else where they need a captain because we haven't got room in our establishment, and they'll send us another lieutenant. And then he gets somewhere else as a captain, and they say, this guy's really annoying. How the fuck can we get rid of him? I know, we'll bump him up to major, and off he goes. And that's there's a, there's a whole career in that. Um, I, I can confirm that's not just the military. That's um, basically any form of civil service or any mm. sort of government jobs. Any government-type uh, agency, like... You you'll remember um, the National Coal Board before mm. it became British Coal, and uh, the Post Office and places like that. Yeah, you'd have these people who would be in a job that was beyond their ability, thanks mm. to the Peter Principle. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Peter Principle. You, you show yeah, everyone really really good at a job. No, rise above. Always mm. one level above their level of competence mm. because you just like you show you're good at a thing and you get promoted and you're good at that and you get promoted and then you're good at that and you get promoted and oh shit, you're not very good at that, but you're already in the job now. Mm. So yeah, so then you'll get promoted again, but kind of to a meaningless place where you can't do any harm. Or I mean, yeah. and the way it goes now, especially in in the world of technology, you might be a good um, computer programmer. So you get promoted to senior programmer. So he's a really good senior programmer. Let's promote him again. Well, obviously, um, senior programmer is the is the senior programming rank. So now he gets promoted into management, and mm. this guy's you know a total backroom um, yeah. you know, tech head. He's a computer programmer, and you've suddenly made him a manager, and he's got to use yeah. com- a completely different. Not just a set of skills, but a different, bring a different personality to work every day. That's it. Good foot soldiers don't necessarily make good generals oh, and no. probably shouldn't be put in charge of projects researching UFOs. <laughs> Uh, so there we go anyway what do you think listeners that that's kind of our thoughts and we went off on a bit of a digression at the end (laughs) (laughs) but uh but what do you think about project blue book um i mean was it do do you think it was the u.s navy's determined conscious sincere attempt to to identify ufos or was it one big cover-up i mean we haven't even mentioned majestic 12 yet uh, maybe we'll save that for a completely separate episode. We, we, we'll get to it in the I end. Think. Yeah. Oh, and, I mean, we've mentioned it in previous episodes, but mm. yeah, maybe we'll do an episode about that specifically. But yeah, do let us know what you think, listeners. Um, you can let us know via the usual means through Facebook, through Twitter, each by searching Aliens Explored, or you can email us at aliensexplored at gmail.com. Uh, Don't forget to join us next time, though, when we will be going back to 1973, Neil, the year I was born. (laughs) Uh, And we will be looking at the case of Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson, uh, better known as the Pascagoula abduction. Look forward to that. Exciting stuff. So join us for that. 
In the meantime, keep looking through those old archives and watching the skies. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit AliensExplored.com.